This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 283 with Vin Armani. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, I'm joined by Vin Armani to discuss the next phase of cryptocurrency. Vin Armani is the Chief Technology Officer of Cointext. He is a philosopher, a serial tech entrepreneur, and crypto savage. He is the host of the Vin Armani Show on Activist Post. And in addition to being an author and a speaker, he has made his living as a television star, film producer, software developer, art gallerist, pirate radio station operator, DJ, and motorcycle courier. Vin studied philosophy at Howard University. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting Cashflow Ninja to 44222. I'm publishing weekly and daily videos on YouTube. You can check out all of my videos at youtube.com forward slash Cashflow Ninja. Please subscribe to my channel to get updates when I post these videos. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint, followed by institutional investors. And if you are an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of our lives in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You'll learn how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Vin, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, appreciate connecting again. Always have a ton of fun with you and always enjoy our conversations. Now, for my listeners not familiar uh, with you and what you do, can you share a little bit about your background and journey with them? Sure. So I'll start, I guess I'll start at where I'm at now and then kind of work my way backward. Um, 
So I, I am a lifelong entrepreneur since a very, very early age. Uh, and my father, my father was a technology entrepreneur. I've kind of followed in those footsteps in some ways and in some ways differed. Right now, I am primarily focused on the world of cryptocurrency, uh, but also I host a weekly podcast. I've been in the broadcast space for about 20 years now, uh, and particularly on the uh, live streaming side. So in, in addition to being a content creator, I also develop skills on the tech side, including uh, as a software developer, which is something that has uh, occupied a, a huge uh, chunk of my life. I've been a hacker since, uh, like I say, my father was a tech entrepreneur, so he was always bringing home machines. And I've been a hacker since I was uh, just a teenager, 15 years old. So it's been the, the intersection of... Uh, technology and entertainment that I've uh, spent most of my, my life and that my, my primary interests are. Sort of in the interim, uh, starting in 2010, I got the opportunity to be on a very inter interesting sort of journey uh, that found me as the star of a television show on uh, Showtime called Gigolos, which ran for six seasons. Uh, on Showtime and is now, it's still running internationally. I believe it's in uh, about 25 international markets now. So that, that gave me a really cool sort of laboratory experience in uh, what celebrity is all about, learning to check your ego in that way. Uh, also understanding, getting a greater understanding of what value really is and how it can open doors and then uh, being able to take advantage of those opportunities. So now I'm coming into a space where, like I say, I think cryptocurrency is just about the most exciting thing that I've, I've come across probably in since the late 90s when I first uh, or mid 90s when I first uh, was on the internet when there wasn't much there. And I think that we're at that point right now. It's exciting for me entrepreneurially. I've, I've really based a lot of my life around that. And, you know, it, it fits in. I'm, I'm ideologically aligned with it as well as a, a lifelong libertarian, as you might expect coming from somebody who's, uh, who's got a hacker background, that, uh, that I'm a bit anti-authoritarian and, and I'm quite an egalitarian individual and, and, and want to see the world as a better place. And I think that that can be done through technology. So uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, I guess, the, the high-level background on me. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get into talking about whatever you want to talk about, MC. Yeah, absolutely. So you've touched on being a serial entrepreneur and starting a lot of businesses and you have a ton of businesses in that, in that space. Uh, can you share just uh, what some of the biggest lessons are that you learned on that journey? Because it's not just rainbow and unicorn and also the, um, the importance of diversifying uh, verticals, right? Because you've got quite a number of things going. I believe you even have a, a vodka drink out there too, which I'm excited to try at one stage. I, I do. And I actually need to probably send you a bottle. I've had that for, I, I believe it's been about five years, the, the vodka. And maybe that's a good jumping off point for some, some of the lessons that I've learned. Um, I've been lucky in that I've coming from a background where my family is full of entrepreneurs on both sides. It never seems strange to me that someone would take a risk, either financial or otherwise, to follow a dream and to have a vision. And that's something that uh, was very early on put forward to me. Now, it takes a long time to be able to move from understanding that uh, a vision is great, but without a program and without some uh, mentorship, you're not going to really make it too far. But what I have learned 
in the in that journey is that creating things of value uh, that are that you truly believe to be valuable is the key and to obtain to spend time as an entrepreneur obtaining I guess what you would call taste and that is to say uh, understanding what things are truly valuable and why and when you really have that taste then you can be out in front of the pack a little bit so with this vodka uh, I had been in Vegas for several years uh, the the show that I, I was the star of uh, filmed here and I was just one day uh, approached out on the street by some gentlemen who had a vodka brand. They were from Michigan. It was a brand new vodka brand. And they recognized me from the show. They said, well, why, why don't you come out? We're presenting at the, the Bar and Nightclub Convention, which is a, a huge and incredibly fun convention that I advise anybody who's in Vegas during that time to get a, a ticket for the exhibition hall. It's basically all of the, the liquor brands and, and mixers, beers, and all of that, and, and along with a lot of different uh, stars of, of TV shows and uh, writers and artists who, who go and they mingle for the day. And, you know, I was talking to this guy, a relatively young guy. He was a radio DJ in uh, Detroit about how he started this independent vodka brand. And he let me know, hey, you know, I found a distillery and I went through this whole process. This was something that I had never done. Uh, but I wondered, uh, as somebody who loves vodka and as somebody who in Vegas was going out and spending thousands of dollars per bottle, so a bottle of Grey Goose in a, a nightclub, in a, a major nightclub in Las Vegas, it you know, if you're going out and getting bottle service, a bottle of Grey Goose to cost you $30 off the, the shelf down the street at the liquor store can cost you $1,000, $1,500, dollars depending on the night and the nightclub. And I thought to myself, well, this would be, I'm in this scene, this might be something cool to look at. Could I go and, and make a vodka that might actually be that valuable? And so uh, it turned out that there was one distillery in the entire state of Nevada, and they had been operating in kind of a gray market phase a little bit. It's a uh, Las Vegas distillery. It's run by a, uh, a guy from Transylvania, as a matter of fact, by the name of George Rotz. And I went in, just went in for a tour. I had first gone and purchased some of their vodka locally, and it was great. I went in for a tour. George and I hit it off. And I just, I, you know, presented this vision to him and, and explained to him, you know, here's the world that I've been operating in. Could we make this, this fantastic, amazing vodka? And uh, we, we ended up doing it. I mean, I had the capital to do it, so that was fun. And um, for, so for the last several years, because of the way that the laws are organized here in terms of it's a boutique distillery and it's a boutique distributorship. So we were really only selling in town, which was fine. And uh, it was selling for four to $500 a bottle. We were selling it just as bottles, mainly to high rollers. Uh, we developed a whole print shop and engraving studio just to engrave these bottles. Was great just from a networking standpoint. But uh, then when crypto came along and we started looking at the craft distillery laws that actually had gone into place and George had helped to write, we saw that, oh, hey, we can actually start shipping these by the bottle so long as this all moves via cryptocurrency and we, we cross our T's and dot our I's. So uh, as of, I think about four to five months ago, we launched exclusively for cryptocurrency, pulled it off the market here in Las Vegas, and now they're about $250 a bottle. And it's well worth it. It's, a, it's an unfiltered vodka, which is very, very rare. Uh, we wanted to do grains that no one else was using, so we used 50% Nevada wheat, 50% blue corn from the Navajo Reservation. 
Um, so they actually have to send a, a guy. It's kind of like kosher. They have to send someone to actually look at your facility and bless you and say that, okay, we'll, we'll actually ship you this blue corn. And uh, it's, you know, you can drink it unchilled like a whiskey. So I'm going to send one of these off to you. Uh, I'm very, very proud of this product. And, uh, you know, but yet again, it's one of those things that I've always just approached new projects with those things that I feel the most excited about. The things that when I wake up in the morning, I say, oh my God, I'm so glad that I'm creating this. And that, that is something that I actually find of great value to myself and that I'm proud to show off to other people. That's, that's sort of been my guiding light and my lesson of what are the things that I should be working on. Uh, and that's, you know, that's one example, but all of, all of the projects that I've taken on all fall into that, that sort of vein. No, fantastic. And I, I appreciate it. And um, so let's talk a little bit about crypto. Uh, when did you start to get into this? And, and uh, just a sidetrack, it is amazing to be able to get up and work on projects that you're passionate about, right? That, that's what, that's what that's, life that's is what all life about. about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when did you uh, get into crypto? When did you come across it? What were some of your first thoughts about it? What were some of the things uh, that attracted you? Because uh, from a, you're a very, very philosophical person as well in that, in that regard. Sure. Well, so I first ran across Bitcoin and the idea probably in 2010 or 2011. I was a professional software developer at the time, uh, which I, I still even did at, after the first season, being on the first season of the, the television show. Uh, I was still a software developer. I, just, uh, I guess it was probably passed along to me from a friend, the initial client, and I downloaded it and I ran it and there, there wasn't anything really to it. Bitcoin really wasn't worth anything. And I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. I'll put it in the back of my mind. Uh, and then as I, after I had moved to Vegas and I was now in the uh, entertainment industry and I was getting uh, bookings for appearances and a lot of times I was being paid in cash for this. And I was, this is, this is 2010, 2011, sort of at the height of the kind of reality show mania. And I, I've got to be a part of that as a star of a reality show living in Las Vegas. And, you know, I wanted to, let's just say I wanted to find a little bit of a, a safer and more productive way to store my money that was particularly in paper fiat. So obviously, you know, a safe was fine for a while. And then luckily here in Vegas, um, paper fiat is quite common, of course, with the casinos. And you've got professional gamblers and whatnot who have the same sort of problem. And there are solutions here like uh, anonymous private vaults, which I happen to have one, which are amazing. It's one of the most amazing uh, innovations, I think, financially that, that we have uh, and that's really readily accessible here in Vegas. And then that was when cryptocurrency or Bitcoin specifically popped back into my mind. Um, like the end of 2012, I went out and I bought my first Bitcoin. And it was hand-to-hand. -hand. I found some people on local Bitcoins and it was $15 per Bitcoin. And really, I was getting into it to say, well, is this maybe a viable option for me to start putting my savings in? And it wasn't long. It was about maybe, I think about six or seven months later that it went to $1,000 for the first time. And I was like, okay, I'm getting out because this, is, this doesn't even make any sense. I'm just going to you know, take my profits and we'll see where this thing goes. So that was a very, very nice Christmas. Let's just put it that way. That was 2013. And then I kept my eye on it for a while. And then in 2014, end of 2014, uh, I had some time and I started decided that I was going to start doing some development on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, 
and seeing just how easy it would be for me to maybe throw my software development chops at this whole thing. And so I did a few projects that some things related to gambling, was able to show it to some people in town uh, that they really liked. I put these libraries together and that was when I really said, okay, this is a real thing. Uh, I want to be involved with this, but it was right at that same time that the mining fees started to go up. Speculation really started to kick in. Uh, p- the, the financial industry around Bitcoin started to come back from basically what had happened with the exchanges like Mt. Gox falling apart and the Silk Road bad press happening in 2013. So that was really the point, I would say 2014, 2015, late 2014, early 2015, when I was like, okay, I want to start building in the space. And then the past year and a half, I've spent a lot of time advocating uh, and I've, you know, got to be a part of this whole sort of uh, this, this growth of it, seeing the schisms. And I think that now we are approaching a place where uh, we're, we're about to enter a new phase of crypto. We're about to enter a time when it's really going to be used as money. I think it's going to be much less important uh, and and also much less viable, some somewhat due to regulations as a specul as a speculative instrument. And I do think that this is the most important time. I think that a lot of the people people have heard about it. Some people have gone out and purchased it um, for a while last year before the fees really got exorbitant. I was trying to live my daily, uh, daily life on just crypto, mainly through uh, purchasing gift cards for uh, Amazon, gift.com, which then I could use at Whole Foods or buy my Southwest flights and, and hotels using Expedia with it, um, using cheapair.com with it. So I was trying to spend as much of my daily, day-to-day expenses uh, completely in crypto, and I was able to do it. Um, but after the, the fees got so high on the main Bitcoin chain, BTC, I stopped. I went back to fiat. Now, uh, Bitcoin Cash, which is what my new project, Cointext, is built in, is getting added on by a lot of these merchants, including the big ones like BitPay and Coinbase. And I think that's going to be what spurs this next move. And this is where the real fortunes are going to be made. Uh, up until now, it's been this kind of bro fun, speculative... A uh, thing that reminds me of the the day traders back in the dot com boom, uh, but where the real money was made were the people who were really really creating value for other people, and I think now is the time that that's about to happen. And there's a lot of stuff just happening this week as we're speaking with uh, the SEC, the murmurs of the SEC getting involved in in, in some of it as well, and. Uh, you know, the mainstream media spurring a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt. Can you talk uh, a little bit about what impact that would have once regulators step into the space? Um, and also what uh, impact the, the futures have had in, on the space that started uh, last year with uh, the CME and uh, the CBO? Absolutely. So this is something that I covered. They're, they're basically, they're related to each other. Um, this is something that I heavily covered on my show and that I, I basically predicted the market moves for about three months, almost on a daily basis after the, the uh, futures markets had opened because it was very clear to me what, was, what must be occurring. You've got a situation where you have a, a completely unregulated market. You have volumes that are low enough in terms of, uh, from a standpoint of US dollars, that as I said at the time, I said, listen, if the big trading houses 
aren't using high-frequency bots and, and using the capital that they have to control these markets, especially with the futures market opening, they're blowing it. And all signs look like that. And it made sense that that would be going on. So you had, at the same time that you had this sort of, this, this weird, but yet very predictable volatility that was uh, really tied in tightly with uh, where, where um, the short position would need to be at one point and then where the long position would need to be on these futures, like basically timed up exactly. Uh, the, at the same time, you had these ICOs. So you had a lot of scamming, just straight up scamming happening uh, using, but, I mean, these are old scams. And I said at the time, I said, and I mean, I predicted this as well, that I said, look, what's going to happen in this case is we're going to have this volatility. It's going to go sky high, then it's going to crash out because the, the people who are shorting it can finally, or who want to short it, can finally short it for real. And at the same time, people are going to lose money. Mom and pops who heard about this are going to throw all their money in. They're going to lose it. They're going to look for a scapegoat. They've already started to do that with the ICOs. They already did that with uh, BitConnect, which anybody who was watching YouTube and had ever watched a crypto video was getting served these, these BitConnect promoters. That was just a Ponzi scheme. So that was your, your Madoff of, uh, of crypto, just a straight up scam, straight up Ponzi scheme. They folded. People lost a ton of money in that as well. So of course, the regulators are going to have to, they have a mandate at that point. There's no way around it. And this is exactly what I said was going to happen at the time. And what we see coming, the, the murmurs that we see, as you say, the idea is if you are trading, secure, in other words, if you are a, a marketplace, because right now most of the markets are completely unregistered with the SEC, most of the major ones. If you are a market and you're trading tokens that can be perceived as securities, so this is almost any Ethereum token. Almost all of the markets have those on them for sale. They're saying, well, then you need to register uh, with the SEC at this point. Now, that's not now Bitcoin and uh, Bitcoin is not a security. Ethereum is not a security. But most of the top 10 uh, blockchains, Dash, etc., are not, could not be considered securities. And that's already been pretty much decided upon. But they're not going to drop these ERC-20 tokens. We're going to see what happens. It may just be that some of these exchanges, particularly the smaller ones, may simply just get shuttered by the SEC. And we don't know, will funds be confiscated? We don't know. I mean, we've seen the U.S. government already, the Treasury Department, confiscate and, and the law enforcement side confiscate uh, funds. I believe the Mt. Gox funds that they had confiscated now just finished getting auctioned. Uh, and so, and that's to the tune of billions of dollars in today's value that was taken out of that exchange and simply lost. So, and BTCE is the same, same sort of situation. I, I believe there, was, there were several hundred million dollars worth of, of Bitcoin that, were just, that are just gone out of that and will probably be auctioned by the Treasury Department as well. So this was, this was destined to happen. But for me, as somebody who has always viewed the real value of uh, cryptocurrency as actual currency and a replacement for fiat, you know, this is not affecting my vision or the way that I'm moving forward myself. I still, I'm, I'm holding. And the reason that I'm holding is that I know that, that the de real demand for this cryptocurrency is coming in the form of actual consumer purchases 
being made worldwide. So that's, I, I think that's where we're at right now. You're listening to Vin Armani on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Vin Armani on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that a little bit more. You talked about the next phase that crypto is going in and particularly being used as money and you're working on a very exciting project called Cointext. Can you share a little bit more about that? Uh, what, uh, what you guys are busy uh, with uh, in that project? Sure, sure. Cointext, uh, which the website is cointext.io. This is a SMS Basically, it's an SMS-based wallet is the best way to describe it. So most people who have used crypto, who have used Bitcoin, the main sort of user interface that they use is usually a wallet on a smartphone. It might be on their desktop as well or one of the exchanges. And so there is there has evolved over time a user experience that is something like you pull up an app. It shows you your balances across whatever coin it is. You can send by hitting send, and then maybe you scan somebody's QR code, which has their address, or you copy and paste an address maybe from an email, and then you send it. Now, there's no reason why that has to be the only user interface. And if you think about all the different user interfaces that we have for money in general, I mean, there's a great deal. We've got paper paper cash. We've got coins as a user interface. We have cards that we either swipe or we put in with a pin. We have uh, just PayPal where you would put your name and your, uh, and your password in and then you'd select. Uh, we've got Amazon where you may have actually preloaded it and it's there. So we have all of these different user interfaces. And one of the most u- interesting user interfaces that is not that often used in uh, the West and in developing nations is a very, very popular application called Mpeza that is in 10 African countries. I think, I think the biggest market is in Kenya. And they did, uh, it's, it's, and that is completely by SMS. So these are people send, basically using text messages to send money to one another, uh, saying send this amount to this individual, to this address or this phone number. And then once it's sent, and this is all moving through the banks there, then uh, you get a notification saying, okay, there, you've, you've received that. Um, we're trying to cut into that. So we've basically done, although we are non-custodial, we're facilitating uh, more of a wallet user interface that allows you to send Bitcoin cash to any mobile phone on the planet. 
Uh, and it works with any mobile phone on the planet. It turns any phone number instantly into a wallet using the Bitcoin cryptography and our own proprietary algorithm. And so we've got people now, we're in private beta and we go into a public beta in at the end of this month, March. We've got people to over 37 countries uh, that are using it already, sending money to each other, and they're just shocked by how fast it is to just say, send $1, and then you put in a phone number, and instantly, boom, the person gets it. And so this is, this is the way to onboard grandma. And we see these as the, as the types of new solutions. And really, the, the, the place that cryptocurrency can go is to say, let's rethink money. We yeah. ha- here we have the opportunity where there's no barrier to entry whatsoever. Anybody who wants to create any new kind of user interface, who wants to present money in a new way, there's no barrier to entry. There's nobody stopping you. There's no regulatory uh, you know, impediments for you doing it. There's, no, there's very little technical impediment. It's not, it's not beyond... The, uh, the grasp of your average software developer. So we're like, let's rethink this whole thing. Let's start thinking outside of the box and let's, let's see how we can approach money in a new and different way. And I think that it's minds and, and, and hands getting down and dirty into that that is the most exciting part of this whole experiment. And uh, as you've mentioned too, restoring the power of, or, or the, of money back to the people, right? Where it originally created. A lot of folks, I think, uh, don't realize that governments didn't create money. The market did. That's and, the right. mar- and the market will decide in the end what's money and what, what's, what's the best uh, medium of exchange. I like uh, one thing that you said too, Vin. This is one way of onboarding grandma because right. um, a lot of people, when they do and I have the discussion with them and talk to them about it. If you explain that, well, you have to go and download a wallet, mm-hmm. then you, you know, and then you have to do this. And then you talk about the different storages. Well, there's cold storage and then there's right. this type of storage. That is the one thing that people kind of look at you cross-eyed uh, with after that saying, wow, you know, I don't think I'm going to jump into that. That's a little bit too nuts. So this is definitely an elegant solution when it comes to um, onboarding folks. Well, I think that, what is often lost in the crypto community because it's so new and i know this being a software developer and seeing the evolution of the internet uh and no, and being on the very early internet where you had to be incredibly technically savvy to 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 get things done to do anything really to wow. moving to a place where literally i mean we're we're just talking to devices now like you know alexa order me milk well that's the internet that's an interface with the internet. And people don't really think about that fact. Whereas back in the day, it had to be like, okay, well, you need to go and you're going to need to go and get a disk. And that's going to give you, uh, you know, the dial-up numbers for the ISP that you're going to use. And then you're going to need to go on and you're going to need to download a browser, but it's going to download in these little chunks and you're going to have to have this other program that's going to stitch them all together and blah, 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 and all of this, right? Right. So, if this thing is, it's not even if this thing is going to take off, but the next evolution and phase of this, we need to look at what we've already experienced in our own lifetimes to understand that it's not going to be this technical. And the companies that are able to eliminate that technical impediment and that technical hurdle away and give the power back to the people through simplicity, that's the key. 
those are going to be the solutions that the people will take on. And we hear a lot in, in crypto about, well, security and, and decentralization. But what you got to realize is that already people have shown that they really don't care about security and decentralization because the system that we have right now is highly centralized and about as insecure as it could possibly be. Right. I mean, people are getting their accounts, uh, information stolen for their, for their credit cards. And I mean, I've, I've in the past three years, I've had to replace my debit card four times because someone has gotten a hold of the number and there's been fraud. That's amazing. And, and the other thing too about you, you are talking about security and privacy, our lives, everything, everyone that we know, everything, everything that we do, it's all online and that information is sold. So that's not, and that's uh, centralized as well through Facebook and all these other social networks. So to your point, we are, we are living in a, in a, in a society, which is the complete opposite of that. And I'm not trying to say that privacy is not important. I'm yeah. not trying to say that security is not important, but it, there is a market for privacy and there is a market for security. And if we look around clearly when we have a culture where people are literally posting what they're eating for lunch and tagging the location that their children are at, the, you can see that the vast majority of people value neither privacy nor security. However, those who do value privacy and security, there are, of course, tons of solutions. And this is one of the places where the blockchain really, truly sh uh, shines, is that we've never had a form of money that could be made as private and as secure as cryptocurrency. So, yes, there is always going to be the market for the, uh, the most private, most secure uh, way to do business. We, and we, are, we have that market in the current financial system as well, right? You pay a premium for privacy. You pay a premium for security, of course. Um, but the vast majority of people, I mean, we're talking about these people who have, they say that the average American has less than $1,000 in savings. That's who, if you're getting, you know, for me as an entrepreneur, if I'm going to be playing in this, this world, that's who I'm trying to, to deal with. I mean, I'll, look, so, so I'll, in terms of, and in terms of price, like people are like, they want to come in, they want to speculate. I mean, let's talk about what that really means if we start to onboard people, right? So like just numbers here. So the M1 money supply right now. So this is uh, coins bills, and basically checking accounts, right? Narrow money in the US, about $3.6 trillion. Okay. So if we did one-to-one -one Bitcoin, let's just say Bitcoin, which has a 21 uh, million Bitcoin limit, right? That's basically to say if, if we were to replace the overall value in circulation of the equivalent of the US M1 money supply with Bitcoin, each Bitcoin would be $170,000. We might call that like the BM1, like the Bitcoin M1. So we have so much further to go. And that's if it's on one blockchain. And that's one country, which is about a tenth of the, uh, what we could call the global M1, nar uh, narrow money, which is about $36 trillion, right, globally. Right. So, then that, so then that puts us at about $1.7 million per Bitcoin. So we've got a long, long way to go. And that doesn't even count in the idea that what does this open up? What does this open up in terms of value? Because it's not a one-to-one. -one. 
you know, $1, if I get $1 in Bitcoin, uh, off selling a product that's worth so much more. Never mind appreciation. Never mind any of that. One dollar in it's especially in something like Monero, which is completely private. That's worth so much more to me as the fact that it, it's not subject to taxation. It can't even be taxed. Right. It can't even be tracked. So it's not just one. That's not one dollar that I'm receiving, which is the reason why my own products now I'm I'm would much rather. Uh, most of them, I only allow cryptocurrency. My, my coding classes, I'll do cryptocurrency or I'll take your, your credit card because that's kind of playing to a, a demographic that's a little broader than just the crypto demographic. But for my book, for my vodka, you know, for the shirts that we run at our print shop, that's all cryptocurrency because I'd much rather have $1, $1 US worth of Bitcoin or Bitcoin cash or Ethereum than I would $1 in fiat. Right. Absolutely. Now, you guys have chosen Bitcoin Cash as the medium for this project. Uh, what were some of the reasons that you guys uh, used Bitcoin Cash? And uh, where do you uh, see Bitcoin Cash fitting into this uh, crypto environment and ecosystem? That's an interesting question. And it's a very, uh, anybody who's involved in the world of crypto knows that that is a, uh, a loaded and a very uh, hot question. Um, <laughs> there's a that let's just say, well, the, to, to, to be clear, for those people who, who don't know the whole story, um, there was a split last year, the end of the summer, uh, between uh, basically the Bitcoin fork of B BTC forked into two. So you now have two Bitcoins, and they are both following different paths in terms of what the individuals who are behind the development view as being important. When I fell in love with Bitcoin and decided that this is going to be the thing. And when I really started throwing uh, time and effort at it, it was exactly as it says in uh, Satoshi Nakamoto wrote in the Bitcoin white paper. It was a peer-to-peer -peer, peer -peer electronic cash system that enabled basically instant and almost free transactions. And for me, that was the place where I said, okay, instant and basically instant and free you know, that, that, old, um, that old adage, better, faster, cheaper, pick any two. So I was like, okay, well, it's f as fast as your average card transaction, right? Which is fundamentally instant for most, you know, if I go to the store and I use my card, that's basically instant. Um, it's cheap. So in this case, it would be cheaper. And I felt that it was better as well. So all things being equal, I said, okay, this thing is going to take over. Now, the, the blocks, basically the amount of transactions per second that the network could handle was limited and is limited by what's called block size. So this is just the number of every 10 minutes a new block is put in. That's uh, entries on a ledger, basically. So it's the number of entries on the ledger, the number of transactions that can be confirmed into the blockchain, which means, okay, these things actually happen. So that was stuck at a one, mega, uh, one megabyte size. That was making it so that transactions were taking a very long time. And it was also creating a fee market where in order for people to get their, to prioritize their transactions, if they paid more of a minor fee, they could basically get sent to the front of the line, which is just, that's how the free market works. Like that's how a market works. You want it faster, you pay more, right? That's what it was. Well, the amount to pay more, it started to become a fee market as opposed to a free market. And those fees were going up to 
there was a point where they were at, at $50 a transaction was like the average fee. And that's $50 a transaction no matter how much money you're sending. So it costs $50 to send $20 to someone. And when I saw that, I said, okay, this is untenable. This is just simply, it's never, this, this isn't money. This is not going to work. The people who were advocates of let's leave it the same were the people who were holding it. And because that was making the price go up. It's like, look, there's demand. People are paying for it. This is making the, the price of my holdings go up. And who cares if it's a $50 fee? If I'm holding a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, when I'm ready to cash out, I'm happy to pay a $50 fee uh, to move, move my million dollars into fiat. So there was another side who said, well, no, we need to increase this limit. And by increasing these, this limit, we will basically take the, the fees down to sub one cent. And that's where Bitcoin Cash is now. So Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin. Uh, it took, I already had, as I said, Bitcoin libraries that I had written back in uh, 2014, 2015 software libraries to, uh, to do transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain. I literally needed to change about 20 lines of code to make them compatible with the new Bitcoin Cash blockchain. So, and that took me about 20 minutes to do. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that's how close these two are, right? It's right. basically just changing very few values. That's how close these two are. Now, in that time, since then, the, the BTC side, the original, what you might call the original blockchain, it's hard to know when you have a fork, right? These two fork off. It's kind of like Cain and Abel, which one's the original son? Um, they forked off from each other, and a lot has changed in terms of the code and the way that the BTC side works. It's, they still are unable to scale to where they need to be, and they're adding on additional layers. That's fine. That may work. But for me, I truly believe that we have not even begun to see what Bitcoin can do, and that's what I want to see. I want to see Bitcoin live up to, the, to its promise. And if you can do that just by changing one value in, on the software to say, okay, instead of having a one megabyte block, we're going to have an eight megabyte block that increases the number of transactions we could do by eight uh, times. And then to say, when that gets full, we'll increase it again. And when that gets full, we'll increase it again. And it's working. And it has basically, um, basically instant, uh, very low fees. Usually most of my transactions that, that we put through and the transactions we put through on Cointext, most of them are averaging in US dollars about one third of a cent uh, as the mining fee. So that's fundamentally free. I mean, you couldn't even pay somebody a third of a cent if you wanted to. So it's uh, functionally free. It's instant. It's able to do zero confirmation. So when you use Cointext, we're using one of the original features, which is zero confirmation, which means you can send your money around a whole bunch of times. Uh, and then when the next block gets mined, all of those transactions get mined into the same block. So MC, I can send you $5 via Cointext right now. You will instantly be able to send it to someone else and they can send it to someone else. And we, it can be broken apart into a thousand different pieces and then all be mined back uh, in one block, like in the next 10 minutes. So it's pretty amazing. I think that it's, uh, I really do believe that that's the killer app, that the killer app is cash. The killer app is money. And we haven't even begun to see what that means. That is one of the best explanations I've heard between the two. So thank you for clarifying that. A lot of folks have reached out to me personally and say, you know, what do you think of this and that? And it's, uh, it's, it was difficult for me to explain it. So I appreciate that. And that is a fantastic way of putting it. Vin, a core message in our show is, 
to leave our families and communities in the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? So this, and this is, for me, money is very, I've been lucky that I have acquired skills that make um, money easy to come by. So, for, so other software developers, if they're listening, know exactly what I'm talking about, that I'm, I'm blessed that my worst case scenario is that I uh, actually pick up the phone when the recruiters who don't stop calling me, I haven't worked a nine to five software job in probably seven, seven and a half years. But yet uh, weekly, I get calls from recruiters looking at 10 year old resumes saying that they've got, you know, a uh, uh, $200,000 a year and full benefits uh, job for me if I, if I want to move out to Silicon Valley or LA or Boston. So that's my worst case scenario. That's gr- that's, and that's a great situation. But that brings me to sort of the, the, what I, I pass down. And, and so those, those principles for me has been mainly about value. Uh, and the first one is that value and to remember, and this is, this is one that's, that I, I keep front of mind, is that value truly is subjective. Value is subjective. And that whenever someone is trying to uh, speak about what is valuable to them, that it's to take it as what is valuable to them and to not ascribe some objective idea. It's all about person, place, and time. And things definitely change in that regard. And so it's, it's uh, about developing that taste. I guess the second one, also related to value, is uh, value is who you are. It's not what you do because what you do may be different at any given time uh, and you will learn, hopefully, if you're trying to grow as a consciousness, you're going to learn over time many, many different things and your opinion is going to change. Uh, But what won't change as you grow and evolve is that sort of spark inside of you. And so it's keeping to uh, a principle of wanting to live in truth. And wanting to do the best for yourself and for your family and for the world, to live truly by principles, and I guess that's what you would say, to have a pure heart in that regard, that no matter what you're doing, if you're doing it to the best of your ability with the best of intentions, that's, that's the best that you could do and that's where the value really lies. And then, of, of course, my, my saying that I, I tell everybody is, you can't be broke with a pocket full of diamonds. And what I, mean by that, what I mean by that is, you know, it's to acquire and to keep acquiring, uh, you know, you've, you've said to me the, the intellectual, the relationship, you know, and then the financial. And that's, th- those are really those high-level diamonds that don't worry about uh, where you're at financially at any particular time. Just keep accruing the diamonds in your pocket and then take them out and polish them so others can see them shine. And if you've got a pocket full of diamonds, you're not going to be broke. Uh, if you've got a pocket full of diamonds, you're going to be able to, to move through the world in a way where people actually want you to be around. So, so those are the things that I, that I take to heart and I keep front of mind myself. Fantastic. I appreciate that. And, and thank you so much for sharing that, Vin. Vin, where can my listeners um, follow you? Where can they reach out to you? And uh, where can they stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? So best way is vinarmani.com. That'll give you access to my show, uh, my book, and links off to the other things that we do, such as uh, our newsletter, Counter Markets. 
and also, if they would like to try out Cointext, as I say, we're going into a public beta. So that means that it will be open to the public, but only those people who have asked for an invite. So if they would like to go and check that out, uh, the public beta is going to be the end of March. They can go to Cointext.io. Just sign up, and as soon as we go, it'll be, oh, end of March. So yeah, we're coming up on it. A couple weeks, uh, you're going to get some information, and then we will even start you off. We have a faucet, which will, uh, from the beginning, you just text cash to one of our access numbers, and it'll even start you off with some Bitcoin cash on us that you can then uh, start spreading around the world. So I'm very, very excited about it, and I would love it if your listeners participated with us in these, these early stages of what I think is really the next revolution in, in money. Absolutely. And truly, truly very, very exciting times. Vin, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. This has been a blast connecting again, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anytime. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to have you back on our show as well. Awesome. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja and thank you for all of your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44. Two, two, two. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you now can also participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of our lives in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and also includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You will learn about how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.